0: you have your device, it's going to be easy enough for you to find because you're going to be able to just click around until you find it in the Old Testament there. But the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, and this is something that I don't know that I've ever preached here in this church. I know the message is not, but these verses I don't believe are some that I've ever uh, preached. And I want to just share a couple of things as we get started. And mention to you again, if you see that little symbol there, if you've downloaded the Faith Life Bible or you've downloaded the Logos, L-O-G-O-S, on your iPhone or your device, you can actually follow the presentation on there and these verses will automatically come up. You don't even have to look for them. It's how simple it is. But I want to encourage you, um, when you're doing your daily reading, one of the things the Lord deals with me about is I, I I usually listen to my Bible app but read it from my Bible because I am one of those learners who do who do who does better by hearing it and reading it at the same time. Now some people can read it and they can get everything from it. I'm one of those that I have to read. Even these messages, when I get ready to preach something to you just like I'm going to out of Ezekiel 37, I usually take my Bible app, turn it on and listen and read it as I'm studying it out so it's wonderful to have you today it is it is wonderful to have you in church today it's good to have uh, all of our youth here today and I want to say uh, special I know that God has really been uh, blessing in the student ministries Refuge Church student ministries I think they had about 11 students the first week and about 15 plus the second week is that right uh, Pastor Tagan, they had about 15 plus. And then last night at the first house to house, they had 14 there. Great time. We're just excited. Thank you for bringing your your young people. Thank you for bringing your you. I, I just, it encourages me to see their pictures, to see what they're doing and everything. And we thank God we, we're doing this because we believe the importance of the next generation. And I'm going to tell you, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of right now. I said, they're the church of right now. I mean, somebody's got to pick up the torch. Somebody's got to be willing to carry the baton and say, hey, I know that God has called me. I may not be a preacher. I may not be a singer, but God has called me. And I believe that's important that we pray over them and we believe for them. And we've got kids in our nursery this morning and people ministering to them and over in our uh, RC kids, uh, people ministering to them this morning and our students that are in here. Thank you for being here and all of you for being in service with us today. We love you and appreciate you. Ezekiel 37, I'm going to read to you five verses. I'm going to share with you a little bit of contextual info, just a little bit of background here so you kind of understand. I want you to leave encouraged. Anybody need to be encouraged? Three of you need to be encouraged. I need to be encouraged today. I need a word that encourages me. We have enough discouragement going on. If you don't believe that, turn on the weather channel. Come on, turn on the weather channel. Watch on the Weather Channel for a few minutes and see if you can't get just a little bit discouraged. But aren't you glad that when you come to the house of God, it isn't about being discouraged, but it's about being encouraged. It's about being encouraged in the Lord. Even when you don't have somebody else to lift you up, you ought to pray and lift yourself up. If I don't get any amens today, I'm just going to preach on right through the buffet closing. Amen. Ezekiel 37 verses 1 through 5. The prophet Ezekiel is hearing, or he is read, or writing to us a message. And it, and it says this, The Lord took hold of me. One version says, And in the Spirit. But he says, He took hold of me, and He carried me away by the Spirit to a valley filled with dry bones, or with bones. He led me around among these bones that were covering the valley floor, and they were scattered everywhere across the ground, and completely dried out. If you've got something that's completely dried out, it's completely dried out. I know that some people would like to think, well, there's a little bit of moisture there. But the Bible says it's completely dried out. When you got dried out bones, you got dried out bones. Look at what it says. Then he asked me. Son of man, the Lord speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and he's asking him the question, can these become living people again? And Ezekiel looks back, he speaks back to the Lord, and he says, O oh, sovereign Lord, in other words, God, you're all-knowing, you know everything, you know everything about the beginning and the end, but God, only you really know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones. Somebody say, speak a word. word. Y'all better help me now, I'm going to tell you. Speak a word. Sometimes you got to just speak a word. You say, what kind of word? Well, when you prophetically speak a word, it doesn't mean... When we think of prophecy, and I'll get into this a little bit later, we think of some guy has to show up at a church with uh, a word of prophecy to speak over us. But that's not necessarily true. The Bible teaches us that we have the power of life and death in our own tongue. If you want your children to thrive, you better speak over your children to thrive. You want your wife to thrive? Come on, somebody. You better speak over your wife to thrive. If you want your family to thrive, you need to speak over it. If you want to curse it, then you speak cursing over it. Are you with me? He says, speak a prophetic message over these bones and say to them, dry bones, dry bones. Listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. Hear uh, what I'm saying. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, for we know that today, without it, Lord, we are hopelessly lost. Lord, Your Word gives direction. Your Word gives correction. Your Word today is what leads and guides us through the Spirit of God. It is Your love letters to us. It is Your letters of correction to us. It is Your Word straight to our hearts, I pray. That today, God, we will come alive. Lord, that we will come alive. That we will come alive again. And Father, I pray this. I believe this. I speak it now in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen and amen. I want to share with you in this, uh, a little bit of the textual content of this. And I've kind of given a little bit to you. The title of this message this morning is uh, Dry the Graveyard Shift. I sort of say dry bones. The Graveyard Shift. And I've got a reason for calling it that. There were numerous titles that I could have given to this message. Numerous ones. But the graveyard shift became one of those. And there's a reason for that. Because when I think about the graveyard shift, I think about working a graveyard shift. I think about the midnight hour. I think about those 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, normally, and we have people that work shift. I know boat work, shift work. But I, I don't know how good I would do with that. Because my days would be so messed up. And at 3 in the morning, I'd want to be sleeping, not working. Amen, somebody. And some people can they get used to that. But the graveyard shift represents a time in your life, in my life, that seems like a dark hour. It's an hour that we're trying to figure things out. Things, you know, I, I know that even if you're not scared of the dark, if, if you know, if you were like me when we were kids, when we would go out of the dark, you have seen stuff even if it wasn't there. You thought it was there even if it wasn't there. And if you had crazy uncles and relatives like I did, they made you make sure that you saw the thing you thought you saw that you didn't really see out in the dark. So the graveyard shift represents those times in your life. That represents the times that things are, the Bible says, very dry. Ezekiel is seeing a vision of what seems like a valley full of dry bones. You've got to understand that if you go back a little ways into Ezekiel chapter 14, we'll not do that today that the Lord is really upset with this Jerusalem. He is upset with Israel. He's upset with Judah. He's upset with them because they have done something that the Lord said not to do many things, but one of them was living in idolatry. There's a lot of things that God will deal with. There's a lot of things that God will tolerate in your life. But can I tell you that idolatry is nothing more than trying to serve God while lifting something else up in your life. And idolatry can come in a lot of forms. It can come in a lot of fashions. Uh, Some people may lift up their work in their life and that becomes their idolatry. That becomes the thing they live for. That's what they do. That's what makes them who they are. They would rather do that as to be at home with their family. They'd rather do that as to be in church on Sunday morning. Listen to me. Anything that you put ahead of God becomes an idol in your life. I'm preaching better than some of y'all are helping me. But if you stay home to decide that you would rather work and wash your car, you've really put that ahead of God. You've really put ahead of God. So God was telling them, He was telling Israel, look, you have done the very thing that I've told you not to do. You have put ahead of me these idols. You have worshipped idols and you're trying to still worship me. You claim that I'm your God. You claim that I am Jehovah. You claim that I am the great I Am, but you You're still doing the very thing I've told you not to do. So God was displeased with them. So Ezekiel is seeing this vision. He's seeing a vision of these valley of dry bones. He's seeing these dry bones scattered everywhere. And the Lord is showing him a symbolic picture of the deaths of the lives of these people. And of course, it's the nation of Israel in the symbolism who once were alive and they lived under what we call the grace and the favor of God. Somebody say the grace of God. The grace of God is getting what you did not deserve. Everybody in this place, everyone in this room, everyone living on this planet really did not deserve God to give His Son and gift His Son for your life. But it's through the grace of God that you and I Have eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's something to shout about. That's something to be excited about. Even in the middle of a hurricane. Even in the middle of a tropical storm. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is the great I am? That he knows the beginning from the end. He knows you and loves you and cares about you. And God will never leave you. Can I tell you that's most important? Come on somebody. Amen. And so the Bible says they were alive. They had the grace of God. They had the favor of God. The favor of God is when God looks at, we could get real technical about this. We could get real theological about it. But the favor of God is understanding very simply a few things. And that is this. When me and my wife uh, had our children, we first um, started having children and bringing them into our homes. And we brought them into our homes because we couldn't leave them at the hospital. Y'all laugh, but you know sometimes there were times you want to say to your child, Hey, if I could have, I'd have left you there. And, and so we would take them. We didn't have, uh, sometimes did not have uh, health insurance. We didn't have what it took to cover them. And so we had a doctor uh, that was a pediatrician who was two, uh, two of them in the office that were both Christian doctors. And we would take them to the doctor, had no insurance, knew that it was going to come out of our pockets. We were young parents, didn't know what else to do. We would pray for them, pray over them. But there were times they needed to go to the doctor. And the doctors to look at us and say, I'm, there's no charge for this today. Now I'm just sharing that with you to tell you that, that the favor of God isn't just money falling from heaven but it's when you walk into a place and they say I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why you came the reason that you even showed up today but I just believe that I need to bless you today. I need to do something for you that, that God has put on my heart or that I feel like I'd. that's the favor of God. Israel knew the blessings. They knew the favor of God because they had walked in that many times but now They're trying to do all of this stuff that God said don't do. And they were doing it anyway. Can I tell you that God will put up and tolerate sin for a while and a season. But there is a season that that ends. And God says enough is enough. I've given you chance after chance. It doesn't mean that God hates you. It doesn't mean that His love is changed for you. It means that God loves and corrects those that He does love. Amen. Amen. We know that sin separates us from God. Did you know that? That sin separates our hearts from God. It makes us have a divided loyalty. The Bible says you can't serve two gods. You can't serve two masters. You either got to live and love one or live and love the other one. Come on somebody. The house of Israel was scattered among the tribes. They were spread out across the land. But it was God's design to bring them back. Somebody say bring them back. I want you to know that God... In this symbolism, everything that we say and that we're talking about in these scriptures, if you read them a little bit and you study them out, they're symbolic of us today. The nation of Israel, all the things that God wanted to do for them. They were the chosen ones. Do you understand that? He said, salvation has come first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Touch yourself. Just just pat yourself say, I'm a Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Did you know that God's people was Jewish people? Even though that many of them absolutely turn away from God, do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that He did come, that He did love them. But do you know that even in their rebellion that God has blessed the Jewish people? And even though God has blessed the Jewish people, he said, if you deny me, he said, I will give to the Gentiles this blessing and this favor. In other words, I'll graft them into the vine. I will bring them in and the very salvation that you can have, I'm going to give to them. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you glad that Jesus looked and said, you know what? These are my people, but they're going to reject me. They're going to reject the cornerstone, but there's going to be a people, the Gentile people, who are going to accept me in. Oh, I feel like preaching here this morning. I feel like just telling you what the Lord has said to me. What do you mean the Gentile people? You remember the story about the Samaritan woman drawing water at a well? Come on somebody. I got a lot to preach. If I had to bust this into two, I'll bust it into two. Listen, there was a Samaritan woman who was drawing water at a well. And the Bible says the disciples were headed one way and Jesus was walking with him and he said, I need to go through Samaria. There's some people there that I need to see. He might as well said, I need to go walk down through Marcus Bottoms. Come on, somebody help me here. I need to walk down through the middle of Marcus Bottoms because the disciples looked at him with probably the weirdest look they could have ever looked at. But he knew, to make this story as short as I can, that there was a woman who would come out at the noon hour to draw water from a well who needed to hear about the good news that there was a Savior who was come who would not let the Gentiles die in their sins but would love them the same. And the Bible said he broke water or he broke the ice by talking about water and said, I know that you're drawing water from this well. Oh my goodness, but let me tell you about water that you'll never thirst again. Let me tell you about living water. I know you've been hanging out and living and shacking up with men, and the one you you're with right now you're not married to either but I want you to know that even in your sins I love you and I'll give you this water all you've got to do is accept it and believe that I am your Savior oh my goodness my goodness You know what? We look at those stories and we think they're so far off. And the truth of it is, we were dying and dead in our trespasses of sin. And God looked at us and said, You know what? I know that you've been doing all kinds of stuff, but I still love you. I still care about you. And I refuse to let you die in your sins. I'm going to give you water that you'll never thirst again. I'm going to give you water that when you drink from this well, everything else is going to seem like it doesn't have any purpose oh my goodness Mm -mm, I may end up starting a revival you know what Jesus that's what he was doing Jesus walked into a Samaritan village with people who did not like each other the Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along as I said he might as well have been walking through the middle of Marcus Bottoms come on somebody and they did not get along but when Jesus got done he didn't have to preach to all the Samaritan people there was a woman who had met a man And she said, Come see this man who told me everything I've ever done. Come on, somebody. He started a revival in that woman and she spread it throughout that whole city. Man, we could go back and there's so much more to share with you. Listen to this the bones in this scripture represent Israel's relationship with God. We know that the relationship, their relationship, was dry, it was disjointed which means if you want to get spiritual about it, they were out of fellowship. What do you mean out of fellowship? Well, let me just take it for those of you that have never been in church, raised in church, and don't understand what fellowship means. My wife's laughing because back in the old days, we used to say we're going to have a fellowship after church. And most all your Pentecostal people know what fellowship is. Even your Baptist folks do. That's a good old eating afterwards. Because church people may not know how to do a lot of things, but we know how to eat. Praise God. (laughs) We may may preach on how bad cigarette smoking is for you, but never about going to the buffet and eating. Come on, help me here. They were out of fellowship. Let Let me give it to you in very simple layman's terms. Their relationship was disjointed. You can have kids that you love, adult kids. Some of you do that you love those kids, but your relationship with them is disjointed. It's not what it should be. It's not what it could be. There's something that has divided it. It may be something that both parties have been involved in, but somehow or another it's disjointed. God wanted to bring Israel back, and He wanted them to come back and bring their relationship back together because their relationship, as I said, was very dead and dry. These bones needed something. And what they needed was one person. In this case, it was the prophet Ezekiel who would prophesy and speak over them not just anything, but the Bible says a word from the Lord. Ezekiel was probably wondering what God was up to, not knowing if he was there by an accident or why he was there. He might have even thought in his mind, why in the world did God bring me to such a dead church? (laughs) Full of dead bones. Ezekiel might have looked at the Lord and said, Lord, I know you brought me to this church, but are you sure I got two-thirds of the vote to be here? Because they ain't saying nothing. Come on, help me here. They're not say they're dead. They're dry. The Bible says they are very dry. They're not saying anything. I can imagine Ezekiel looking at the audience and not they're so dry. There's not even one amen in the house. He probably looked over at the choir, and they were just as dead as the audience was dead. They wasn't singing the songs of Zion and the Songs of Victory because they were dead too. Come on, somebody. The Sunday school department was dead. There was no life to be found. And God had Ezekiel working what I told you is the graveyard shift. He has him in the middle of a situation that he's not even sure how in the world this thing's going to turn out. Ezekiel was looking for answers, but he didn't even know what to say to this group. He didn't know what message to preach to him. He didn't know what the right word was going to be. So the Lord himself decided to help Ezekiel out and he gave him the question, or he asked the question, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel's answer was one that many of us have often said to the Lord, even if we've never worded it in these exact words, only you know Lord. The application to that in your life is simply that there are some of us today that have come in this house with situations in our own life that we're looking at, and we're in a struggle right now, and and the Lord's asking us the question, can your marriage ever be what it once was? Can your relationship with that child ever be what it once was? Can your finances ever be where they need to be at? Can any of these things happen in your life and you're really in your heart saying, God, really, only you know the answer to that. And this tells me that the prophet Ezekiel probably wasn't like what we want to believe. We want to believe that the prophet Ezekiel's uh, faith was unwavering. But I'll be honest with you. I believe that Ezekiel's faith was probably somewhat a little bit wondering. Wouldn't you? Well, Lord, I, I know that you told me to preach to him. I know you told me to talk to him. I know you told me to talk to him and speak to him. But God, these people are very, very dry. You know what he was telling? You know what Ezekiel was saying? Ezekiel was basically confirming that life in itself, and that God is the only giver of that life, and really, He's the only one that can know whether they can live again or not. The next words to the prophet are profound. We hear the Lord speak to, to, or say to Ezekiel, hey Ezekiel, I want you to talk to these bones. I want you to preach. And Ezekiel's thinking in his mind, God, this may not work. You said to do it, but I, and I'm gonna prophesy. It. I, I gotta ask you the question. What do you do in your own life when you're looking at your situation and it looks very dry? One, you can't stay where you are. If you stay where you are, your situation will be dry and your situation will never get out. You've got to believe that God has given you a hope that you can be free, that you can get out. If hope is gone, if hope is gone, then your life in itself seems to dry up. If you believe that things will never change, that things will never be different, listen to me, your, your situation will stay the same. But it's at the moment that you believe that what God spoke to you is truth. I believe that mo- uh, many Christians have trouble believing that what God has said to them is really truth. Now, pastor, don't get on me like that. You know I know God's Word is truth. You know that I know that the Bible is truth. Yeah, but you will say that out of your mouth, but your walk says something else. We'll say that God can do anything. We'll, be, we'll say that God's able to touch and move and, and minister to us, that God can heal our bodies. We, we, we will say that God is able to mend that marriage. He's able to bring that family situation. He's able to provide a job, but we'll go out of the doors and say, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't get a job on Monday morning. Are you hearing me? We, we we say that we believe it, but our, our walk says something else. In other words, we're in church, we believe that God can, but when we walk out of the doors, we're in doubt and disbelief of whether God really can. But I'm here to tell you that the same God that Ezekiel served is the same God that I'm serving today. And the same God that would bring life to a dead, dry situation which was Israel can bring it in your situation and what's important to you is important to God and God wants wants it to live again. Somebody say live again. God wants it to live again. Whether it's your marriage or your finances or your children. Whatever that situation is that you desire. We got to believe that what God says to us is important. What God is saying to us is truth. And begin to walk that out. He says speak to them. Ezekiel, preach to them. Ezekiel might have not even felt like he was a preacher. What the, what the word was saying to him is, if you, you've got to obey my command, I've got I to give this to you today. when God says it and you, but you don't see what it, in other words, when God says it to you, but you don't it, it looks nothing like what God said. God has promised you that your children will be saved, but you know they're not doing what they ought to be doing. God has promised you that He'll bring and put together your marriage. He will do it if you'll just obey Him. If you will just walk in His command, If you'll just walk in faith. God's promised that He would do that. But when you look at your marriage, all you see is shambles. And you're just trying to figure out how God's going to do it when what you see does not look anything like what God has said. I'm telling you that you're not walking by by sight. But you walk by faith. You're not walking by what you see, but you're walking by faith. God is a God of faith. He said, without faith, it is impossible to please. Some of you know that. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We walk by faith, not by sight. So he told him three things. I'm going to share these with you as quickly as I can. The first thing that he tells him, and I've I've really given this one out of the bag first, But he tells him to talk to the bones. Now I want to share with you if you're taking notes or you're writing down or you're scribbling somewhere on a piece of paper or putting it into your phone. That when he tells Ezekiel to talk to the bones, what he's saying to him is simply this. You need to bring that into alignment. Everybody say alignment. Have you ever watched a car going down the road that's been smacked from the rear end or been hit? But they've repaired it, but they didn't really repair it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you see a truck that's been and, and they fixed the bed of the truck, but the frame's still bent, and the front wheels are going this way, but the rear end is going this way. Somebody got it on deal, on a deal for $29.95. At the UPay right here and pull it right here. Listen to me. You know what's going to happen to the rear tires of that, that vehicle? they are going to wear out. They're never going to be able to keep tires on the back of it because it's out of alignment. Some of you go and you pay a lot of money to get the front end aligned because the people at the tire shop said, hey, you've got to rotate your tires and you've got to align it every now and again because if it's out of alignment, they're going to wear really bad. Here's what you've got to understand. When your faith aligns with God's Word, it all works but when your faith doesn't align with God's word listen you're like that old that truck rear end it's just kind of following behind, dog-legged. You're like the front end on a car that's out of alignment. Some of y'all understand this is country boy, just plain old English. If you don't get it, amen, ask somebody that, ask Trav. He knows, Travis knows what it is to be out of alignment. Ask Jeremy what it is. Ask Tegan what it is to be out of alignment. Alignment means that you're aligning with what the rest of that vehicle is doing or the rest of those, those tires are doing. When you and I realize that the word of God, when God's saying, speak the word of the Lord to your dry situation I will bring that into alignment when what you see does not look like what God has said are y'all with me Many times in our life God said something to us but what we're seeing does not look like what He said. It doesn't seem like it's that way. But I'm serving the God who can bring things. He can do the impossible. He can do what we cannot do. And that's why it's important for us to learn to say, Hey God, I don't know how you're going to work this out but I can tell you this, I'm going to believe it by faith. I'm going to agree with you by faith. I'm going to agree with others by faith. And if this doesn't work out, Come on, somebody. If this doesn't happen the way that you said it was, then I'm going to look bad and you're sure enough going to look bad. Some of y'all scared to even say that. He's my Father. He's the God that I serve. He's the one that I trust and depend on. It's not about my wife. I love my wife as much as I know to love my wife. But she's not the one that I'm depending on. Come on, somebody. She is not the source. Oh, come on, somebody. Some of you are depending on your job. I want to tell you something. The job may be your supply, but it's not your source. Let me come over here and preach to a while. These these folks over here, maybe understand it a little bit more. Amen. Your job, is. it may be your supply, but it's not your source. Some of you that have given your tithe all your life understand that principle. Hey, I've done this all my life. And when I was without a job, God was aligning one up. Come on, somebody. When I was looking for the one I got, (laughs) come on, somebody. He was preparing the one I needed. Alignment. We come into alignment. And that's the thing you've got to really get a hold of in your spirit. Is when you pray the Word of God... Somebody said, I don't know what to pray. You ever went to the book of Psalms and just started reading through the Psalms and praying the Psalms? I mean, David had done, he had been everywhere and done everything. He had been an adulterer. He had been wanted to murder. He had well, he did actually do that. He'd done all of those things, but he would pray. And and listen to me. There's nothing wrong with going to the Psalms and praying what the Psalms said. Come on, somebody. Amen. So we got we we can spend a lot of time trying to figure out. Here's what a lot of people do. Y'all ready? They don't know the answer, so they do what people do today. They go and they seek out a soothsayer. So, Some of you are going, soothsayer, what in the world? So, what is he preaching about? Let me step it down one more. He, they seek out a fortune teller. Some of y'all got that. Let me let me get to where I really go in here. They get on Facebook and they ask it. Amen. They ask a, a thousand friends that they only know a hundred and fifty of. What is the right answer? What, what, what should I do here? What what do I need to do? And it's typical for humans to lean on the arm of the flesh. But what we need to realize is there's nothing wrong with having friends as friends go. But the most important thing we can do is lean on the everlasting arms of the Lord Jesus Christ and speak into our situation so the situation comes into alignment. Amen. What do you mean, Pastor, the graveyard shift? Well... The graveyard shift is Monday morning when you worshiped on Sunday but everything that can go wrong goes wrong on Monday. You've never gotten up and the only car you had to drive to work had two flats on it and you didn't even have one of those donuts that went in the back to go on the car. Come on somebody. Yeah, they were already on there. Thank you. <laughs> Let me tell you what you don't do. I got up one time the first church that we were pastoring and I said something about the car that we were driving an old van that we named Christine. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. You can search it out, but there was a movie about this old car named Christine that was horrible. It was horrible. Anybody ever seen that movie? It was horrible. We, we named this thing Christine, but what I didn't really realize was us speaking Christine over it made it live that way. And I said something about it because we'd had so much trouble with it. And I said, you know what? If that old thing breaks down... Uh, At at church, I'm going to sit on the hood and just worship God. My wife will verify that the very words I'm speaking is the truth with my hand raised. One day, it's storming like you have never seen. Cats and dogs, shoe mouth deep, frog strangling, rain. We pulled up to the doors because at the time, I was the one who unlocked them and locked them. I was the one cutting the grass. She was the one cleaning the church. We were keeping the nursery. Come on, somebody. The nursery was me preaching with one on my hip and the other two sitting in the chair beside of Bethany. Come on. And so I pulled up to the church, and it's, I mean, just cats and dogs. We're supposed to have service. And I pulled under the edge of the church where the water was running down onto the top of that old Dodge uh, caravan we had. And I guess water got into it, and it would not crank. I got to preach. It's Sunday night. It's different than Sunday morning. You, everybody knows Sunday night's more special than Sunday morning. You're supposed to really have church. You're supposed to be able to let all the stops out. You're supposed to cock both barrels back and let them go. But I'm going to tell you what I ended up having to do. Sit on the top of that hood and say, Lord, I thank you that you gave me this car. And even though right now my thinking is not in alignment with yours, because I really want to find a pond somewhere and push it off in it and tell the insurance company there was a bad accident I survived, but the van didn't. Are you with me? But my thoughts had to come into alignment with what God said and keep speaking that God was blessing and going to bless me and He would take care of me regardless of what I said. Be careful what you speak out of your mouth. Make sure it aligns with the Word of God. All right, we've got we to get finished here. Right, let me get to the second one here. Let me give you Mark 11 and 23. It says, I tell you the truth. You say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it that it will happen and not doubt in your heart. Are you with me? You gotta believe it. You really gotta believe it. What do we do, Pastor? Let me give you these verses real quick. I gotta give some, my wife says I need to give application things that you can apply them to your life. Here you go. You gotta learn to speak to the bones. The bones represent anything in your life that's dead and dry. When you're sick, first Peter 2 24. He personally carried our sins on His body, talking about Jesus, on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds, by His wounds, you are healed. Secondly, when you're discouraged, Psalms 91 and 2 says this, This I declare about the Lord. David said, He alone is my refuge. He is my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. Well, Pastor, I'm in some financial distress. I like what Psalms 50 and 10 said. For all the animals of the forests are mine. Look at this. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Let me say it again. For I own a cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and all the animals of the field are mine. I want to tell you there's no doubt in my mind today. If we were honest, we could take one area of these things in our life, be bold enough to speak the word of God over it, and believe that in every situation it could live again. It doesn't matter if it's finances. It doesn't matter if you're discouraged. It doesn't matter if you're sick. I I know that it matters to you, but I'm telling you that God wants us to speak over it. Amen. Only God knows the answer. If He holds the answer, why don't we speak from the book that's filled with the answers? Ezekiel 37 verse 6. We're going down just a little bit further. The Lord says, I will put muscle or flesh and muscle on you. I will cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life and that you will know that I am the Lord. We ought to start saying what God says and see if what God has said really aligns with what he's already spoken. Of course it does. At this point, no miracle has happened for Ezekiel. God's already spoken it into existence. But remember, not one bone has come back to its other bone. Amen. Yet God tells Ezekiel, not only are the bones going to come back together, but I'm going to put flesh back on them. One verse, says, sin you will come upon sin you. In other words, all that it takes for you to cover it again. You know, uh, we're getting around that time of the year when you see a lot of skeletons. And People look at a skeleton and they think, man, a skeleton is, is just dry bones. And it really is because you without your skin and flesh, that's what you are. There is no life in a skeleton. Your skin, Paul said, is nothing more than a tent over your body. Your body is really a tent. And so the skin is what covers it. Aren't you glad you got skin? Did you know that it's just skin, but without skin you won't live very long? Come on, somebody. You can't have life unless the skin is on you. And, and so the Bible is saying to, or, or God is saying to Ezekiel, look at this. I've already said it. You just got to say it. I've already said it about your situation. Ezekiel, you have just got to say it. Prophesying is not always speaking about the future. It's about what God's already said. Hey, can these bones live? Prophesying about those bones, speaking about those bones. Yes, they can live, God. Only you know that because you're the giver of life. Quick story. I never will forget a little young boy. My wife was teaching school. He kept telling his teacher, which was my wife, that his uvula was hurting. If you don't know what your uvula is, I'm going to take a little bit of water here and soothe mine for a moment. The uvula is that little hanging down thing in the back of your throat. He kept telling his teacher, trying to be smart as a young boy, Hey, my uvula is hurting. After I went on Google and I searched what uvula was, I I understood what needed to happen in his life to soothe his pain. He needed some fisherman's cough drops. What did they call them? Fisherman's friend cough drops. And then gargle a little bit of salt water. Now I'm telling you this story because there are many times we know how to sound spiritual about situations, but we really don't know what to do to change it. We know how to identify the problem, but we see bones scattered all over the place and we really don't know what to do about it. But I believe that revival is about the time when the bones begin to come back together again and we move forward. The second thing I'll share with you is what Ezekiel heard. I'm trying to hurry here. The Bible says that next Ezekiel heard a clattering of bones. This clattering of bones represents a coming together. Ezekiel 37 and verse 7 says, So I spoke the message as the Lord had told me. Suddenly as I spoke there was a rattling across the valley. Somebody say rattling. Rattling. There was a rattling noise across the valley and the bones of each body came back together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Y'all wondered where we got that song from? Your neck bones connected to your shoulder bone. Shoulder bone, yeah, you remember that one? Ezekiel tells us, I've prophesied, I have commanded. And there's a noise, a sudden rattling. Ezekiel was prophesying to the people who daily had heard the rattle of dry bones. The rattle of their marriage that had gone bad. The rattle of a financial dilemma. The rattle of a person's health issue. Can I tell you today that I believe there's something that in us that if we will begin to speak over it, that God says, I'm going to let something begin to happen and things are going to start to come together again. you got to believe it first. First of all, you got to believe it. you got to believe that. There's no doubt that all of us can identify with a problem. We can identify with a financial dilemma. We might can identify with an addiction. We might can identify with a bad marriage or relationship. But will you believe, will you prophesy to receive the power in those dry places, especially when they need to come back together again? There's too many people that just want to get out. Too many people that just want to get out. Well, marriage ain't working, so we're just going to get out of it. God never intended that. We just, you know, we can't make it together. You know, got indisputable, we got these arguments that we cannot work on. Let me tell you something. God intended for your marriage to work. He is for marriage. He wants your marriage to work. He wants you to be blessed. He wants your family to be blessed. He wants your home to be blessed. But you've got to believe it first. If you don't ever believe it, it won't happen. It isn't a false hope. It's a biblical hope. It's a hope that the Word of God has said, my God is for my marriage. Coming together is a good thing. But these bones, look at this, cannot really truly live even if they come together unless they have whew, breath in them. Just because everything looks alright, the skeletons together, doesn't mean that you are okay. There are people that come to church and you shake their hands and you say to them, how are you doing today? And they'll say, I'm fine. It's quiet in here. How are you today? I'm okay. Now there are some people who will be honest with you. You ask them how they are, you better get ready. I have learned in 30 years of pastoring, almost 30 years of pastoring, at least of ministry, to be careful who you ask how they are. Because they will tell you about their uvula and everything else that's hurting them. It's more like good to see you today. Yo, anybody ever remember the old show that was on Jerry Lewis and it was called the un, uh, Disorderly Orderly? Anybody ever remember seeing that? There's a couple of you willing to say that. Jerry Lewis was one of my favorite uh, to watch him because he was just so hilarious but I mean he would push this lady around and she's talking about something dripping all the time and he, he's twisting and contorting because he can't stand it. It's bothering him and all he is is an orderly and that's how he feels. Listen to me. Some people you can't ask them that but can I tell you something in your life and in my life we need to learn to begin to believe what God's already said and even though they say they're okay you know they're not sometimes we'll say that we're all right and we're not really okay. Coming together is a good thing. But listen, just because you're dressed up and dressed to impress on the outside doesn't mean that you've got peace. Doesn't mean that you've got joy on the inside. Sometimes you've got to realize, hey, you know what? God needs to do a work in me. Look at this, Ezekiel 37 to 8. Then I watched the muscles in the flesh. They formed over the bones. And the skin formed and covered their bodies. But look at this, last this verse. But they had no breath in them. You can come to church and on the outside look like you've got it all together, but if you have no breath, listen to me, there's no life in you. The last thing, number three, that I want to share with you. Breathe that they may live again. Look at verses 9 through 10. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke a message as He commanded me. And breath, somebody say breath, came into their bodies. And they all came to life and stood upon their feet a great army. Ezekiel's second point to his message uh, commands the four winds of the earth to blow into the valley because without breath, without life without God's spirit inside of you, you are just a shell of a person come on somebody, you with me? I'm going to close this, y'all get ready to help me here with some music there's a word in the Hebrew and many times I've heard preachers talk about this and mention it, but it's very important because this word breath when you find it in the Hebrew which is what we're finding right here means ruah r u a h and ruah means wind spirit and it also means breath now what's unique and don't just stay with me for just a moment as i'm getting ready to close is the same word that word breath that we just read here in ezekiel if you go over to genesis chapter 2 and you begin to read again about god creating uh, are uh, breathing the breath of life into Adam. And the Bible says, and when God breathed into Adam's nostrils, listen to this, he became a living soul. Look, look at this. That Ruah, that breath, is the same breath found in Ezekiel here that it is in Genesis 2 when God breathed into Adam's lungs. The Bible says he created him. Did you know that it takes the breath of God breathing into your life in order for you to really live? And, and that doesn't just mean physical. It's important that you've got physical breath. And if you don't think it does, get the, get the breath knocked out of you one time. Quick story as we close, one of the, I guess one of the most aggravated times. You don't ever say mad, frustrated upset, you know, aggravated. That's the thing we to use aggravated. We had a little dog that was outside doing something. And he this has been years ago, long before we ever moved here. And the grass had this dew on it. And this dog was doing something. We had a fenced in yard and I was so aggravated at what this little dog. So I put on this pair pair of slick tennis shoes, Walmart tennis shoes. You know the kind that you've done wore the bottom totally off, but you use them to cut grass in. And I run after this dog and I get about halfway to where he is and my left foot went out from under my right foot and I hit the ground flat on my back. I was a big boy then. I thought I was dying. Every bit of the wind went out of me. My wife... I think thought I was praying from the kitchen window. And I was asking for help. Because it hurts so bad. You don't think that breath is important? Get it knocked out of you. But the Ruah, breath of God, was the breath or the air that was breathed into Adam's lungs. Listen to this. So the Hebrew, the Jews, literally believed that when God breathed into Adam's nostrils, that his air was borrowed breath. Borrowed breath. In other words, what God breathed in, did you know that life is is full of exchange? You breathe in because God breathed out. That's called a process of exchange. That's exchange. Life is full of exchanges. And the Hebrews believe that the only way that a person had life in them was that that Ruah breath was breathed into them. But they also believe, more importantly, that that breath, listen to this, was borrowed. I'm closing. We come to church, we drag all of our issues with us, we'll tell everybody else what's going on, we'll tell everybody else what's wrong, we'll tell everybody else our issues. And God says, hey, when you come on Sunday, would you lift your hands and just worship me? It doesn't have to be the pastor prompting you. He will. The worship leader will. Whoever's singing the songs may prompt you. And we'll stand and and we'll stand there. And sometimes I understand we're, we're quiet. We're just, you know, it's different. Maybe it's a different type of worship service. And he says, maybe the pastor says, would you just... Would you just worship the Lord for a moment? Would you take the time? You know what what I'm saying? You know what's being said to you? With the borrowed breath that you have in your body that God gave to you when He breathed out and you breathed in, would you take that same borrowed breath and speak His name? Would you take that same borrowed breath and just thank Him for a moment? Would you just thank Him that even though life may have Uh, dealt you a lot of situations that today you made it to church? That today you're six foot above the ground and not beneath the ground? That today with all that's going on in your life, would you just take that ruah, that borrowed breath, that breath that God breathed into you and thank Him for what is right in your life? Would you stand with me?